0: Who offers the fastest podcast hosting, and does it even matter? Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast, episode 335. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Podcast media, whether audio or video, must live somewhere on the internet so that it can be downloaded via RSS feeds. That's what makes it a podcast. And this media hosting needs to be powerful enough to deliver the media files quickly and handle the load of hundreds or thousands of simultaneous downloads when new episodes are released. So I started a little pet project to test the performance of multiple podcast hosting providers and here are the results from those popular podcast hosting companies as well as some not so popular options. This is an episode that's heavy with data and I highly recommend that you go look at the show notes on a web browser on your computer over at the slash fastest podcast hosting you might even want to put it up on your tv so you can see it really big because there is a lot of data and i'm not going to read every single number to you and the charts by the way won't even display inside of the show notes in your podcast app so i highly recommend that you go to the website where i have all of the data in charts as well as a table at the very end with all of the raw numbers that you can look at and review. And I will update the article that accompanies this episode in case some of this data significantly changes, as there are certain changes that will probably take place within the next month or so. And I will update the post when it's relevant. So the first question, I think that this topic really does beg the question, does podcast hosting speed really even matter? The short answer is yes, but only to a point. I started this project curious about feed hosting performance between separate web hosting providers like shared, managed, and virtual private servers or VPS. I also wanted to see how it performed with different caching options and mirroring tools like FeedBurner and PodcastMirror. Aside from two specific exceptions, which I'll talk more about in a moment, feed performance from numerous providers was acceptably fast. While one host might be faster than another, it was faster faster by fractions of a second on feeds that were already loading in under one second. So if one provider was 20 milliseconds and another was 30, they're both super fast. So as long as feeds load within one or two seconds, exact speeds really become a moot point. If, however, a feed takes several seconds or longer to load... That increases the possibility of timeouts, which can then result in a podcast app's failure to refresh the podcast RSS feeds to even see what new episodes are available, let alone download them. And I have seen this happen before, where one podcast app could download all the episodes from a particular podcast, but another app didn't even see that there were new episodes, and that's because the feed kept timing out. It would take too long to load, and the app Or the server would just give up. And so new episodes couldn't be downloaded. But while I was working on this little program to test all of these different feeds, I realized my test could be easily adapted to measure and compare file hosting speeds, which is more important than feed hosting. So I turned my attention to those media files, and they ended up being much easier to compare and possibly more important to measure. And I'll talk more about my methodology in just a moment. But as with feeds, media hosting across most of the providers was fast enough that it wouldn't cause any noticeable difference. A feed and media host is fast enough when someone can press a button and start listening with little to no delay. In fact, there's the chance that we as podcasters can cause more of a delay in the files than the web hosting or podcast hosting companies can because we can make a bad decision. And a particular bad decision as it relates to making your files is putting extremely large cover art in the ID3 tags of your files. I mean file size large. I really suggest making that file size for the ID3 tags smaller than 250 kilobytes. The reason for that is that the ID3 tags are downloaded before any audio data is downloaded. So if you have, I've heard of some people having 25 megabyte images In their ID3 tags. If you have a 25 megabyte image, all 25 megabytes need to be downloaded before any audio can play. So that's why you really need to keep that image size smaller. But that aside, it's also important to remember that most podcast apps will check feeds and download new episodes automatically in the background. So even if it takes 5, 10, or 15 minutes for an episode to download, most of the audience might not be affected because the episode will be there waiting for them. When they open their podcast app, that's not always the case, but at least right now, it is the case for the majority of the audience out there. And this is an audience helping benefit. And it's a big reason we need to keep downloading possible in podcasting instead of catering to money focused advertisers who want to kill the download and switch to streaming. But that's a different discussion in a different soapbox altogether. So my testing methodology for this was to write a program in Node, which is basically JavaScript to measure the time it takes to download a feed or media file from a given URL. And I included options to test feeds with gzip compression or http version 2. And you can try my same test code. I've made it publicly available on GitHub so you can clone it, download it. If you're familiar with running node and GitHub and if none of those things I just said scare you, if you're like, "Oh yeah, cool. Thanks for making the source code available in a public repo so I can clone it to my own dev environment." If you understood what I just said, then go ahead and go over there. I've got the link to the public GitHub repo over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash fastest podcast hosting. Each media file and feed URL was tested 10 consecutive times, and then those download timings were combined into average and median results. If there was a significantly different average from median, I would rerun the test to see if that happened again. Except in the case of Podient, every first one or two tests of Podient from every region I tested resulted in very slow download times. I suspect that's because their system doesn't propagate a media file to the local servers like a a server closest to me or to my testing server until it's first requested from that location and thus the first download is slow. Because this was predictable and 100% repeatable, I chose to leave that data in, and it's reflected on the averages that you can see in the charts over at the Audacity com slash fastest podcast hosting. And I think that in this particular case for Podient, that it's concerning for that poor first soul who must download from their local server more slowly than the person who's standing right next to them on the same network, maybe even. I used Volter as my virtual private server or vps provider and they allow me to run servers from 16 different regions those were atlanta new york or new jersey chicago dallas los angeles miami seattle silicon valley toronto amsterdam paris frankfurt london tokyo singapore and sydney each one of these servers in each of these regions has a super fast network connection of multiple gigabits per second. And I tested that and retested and retested and tried different URLs, especially when I would see certain regions suffered significantly on download speeds. I wanted to test and factor out the possibility that it was just that's a slow internet connection there. And that's not the case. The results that I tested were confirmed, repeated, done over and over and over again, sometimes far more than 10 consecutive times. I tested feeds, and media files differently. For feeds, they can be difficult to test because each feed generator, like WordPress with PowerPress or Libsyn or Buzzsprout or Spreaker and so on, may do things differently. And it wasn't reasonable to try replicating a complete RSS feed across every tool. Some tools may include extra tags for every episode while other tools omit such tags. Some tools may truncate the show notes while other tools publish full show notes. Instead, my method was to find a small feed of 100 to 250 kilobytes and a large feed of 2 megabytes or more from each generator. Then mirror those feeds to a benchmark host and then compare the performance against that consistent benchmark. I chose feedburner and podcast mirror as those benchmark tools, but feedburner can't handle feeds larger than 1 megabyte, so I used it only for small and medium feeds. A third option I could have used would have been to copy the RSS feed raw code to my own server and then test against that but I stuck with podcast mirror because it's something anyone can use and this kind of mirroring then resulted in only a one to two kilobyte difference in feed size between different feed hosts but this gave me a good relative standard after 10 consecutive tests a sample feeds median would then be ranked Based on its performance factor compared to the feed on Podcast Mirror as the benchmark. So, for example, if my own PowerPress site took two seconds to load, but the Podcast Mirror version took one second to load, then Podcast Mirror was always 1.0. That was always its factor. But then the other tests were compared against it. So, my PowerPress would be a 2.0 factor. Or if it loaded in half a second, whereas Podcast Mirror loaded in one second, then the web host would be a 0.5 factor. So everything was compared to that benchmark for the feed so we could see this same feed, is it loading faster or slower than the benchmark from this source location. For testing the media file specifically, it was much easier to test the mp3s because I could take the same mp3 file and upload it to a bunch of places very easily. So I used Episode 229 of the Audacity to Podcast because this was a one hour long episode. That file was encoded at 44.1 kilohertz, mono, 16 bit, 64 kilobits per second, giving me a file that was 27.5 megabytes in size. I uploaded that file to every media host I reasonably could and ran the same download tests 10 consecutive times from 16 locations, except I didn't need to compare the media files to a benchmark. I just compared them across each other. Unfortunately though some media hosts re-encoded my file changing the file size and thus making the measurements a little unfair but in my charts and I'll point it out here in the episode I do include them nonetheless and I indicate the file sizes in the charts. So unless I indicate a file size the file was 27.5 megabytes. You are welcome to try my tests yourself if you're comfortable And familiar with running Node and a command line, you can run it from your own computer to test your own connection over Wi Fi or a wired connection, or you can run it from a server that maybe you're hosting somewhere through Volter or through someone else. It's Node code. So if you're familiar with that, go to the show notes at the Audacity to Podcast.com slash fastest podcast hosting and click on the link for my podcast speed test source code on GitHub and you can run it yourself. And remember, use it at your own risk. And some of my sample tests that are provided just for you to make your own sample tests may break or may not work. So your results may vary. You can comment on the GitHub repo if you have issues or suggestions or anything like that. I don't know if I'll incorporate them. Maybe I will. We'll see. But you're welcome to clone that repo yourself if you want to give it a try. So first up in the results, feed performance because of that complicated nature of testing the feeds as i already described i didn't run as many tests and i'm not going to talk much about that data because it was mostly a moot point with nearly every feed provider loading feeds which are usually smaller than 1 megabyte anyway usually they all pretty much loaded them in a fraction of a second so for the sake of brevity i'll omit That data for now. I may go back and update the article at the Audacity to Podcast.com slash faster podcast hosting with some of those charts. But for now, know that they're all pretty much the same. They're all great, fast, and everything. But there were two important exceptions SoundCloud, of course. SoundCloud. SoundCloud feeds were consistently the slowest, taking several seconds to load a small feed and even longer to load larger feeds. Because of this, I recommend never using a SoundCloud RSS feed. If you absolutely must host your media with SoundCloud and even use their podcast RSS feed, which really they're just not a they're not a podcast hosting provider. They're a music hosting provider that threw in podcasting and hasn't updated the podcasting feature. Think of it this way, FeedBurner has been updated more often than SoundCloud has. So, think about that. But if you're going to use SoundCloud then mirror your feed through Blueberry's free podcast mirror service, or even use Feedburner if you have to, but I really don't recommend Feedburner. I definitely don't recommend Feedburner's features like Smartcast unless you absolutely have to use them. Really, though, just stick with Podcast Mirror. It's it's far better even than Feedburner in performance. The other exception I found was an uncached feed, or multiple uncached feeds. These were as bad as SoundCloud, sometimes slower, sometimes faster. There are a lot of factors that go into this with uncached feeds, but they were definitely uncached. Some of these uncached feeds I tested were usually powered by WordPress or some other content management system. But all it took to fix the performance of those feeds was simple caching. With caching, it's important to check that the podcast feed is being cached with whatever caching option you're using. For example, caching plugins like WP Rocket and WP Super Cache allow custom inclusions and exclusions. So you can say, always cache these pages, never cache these pages. And by default, these usually include RSS feeds. But other caching plugins might not offer the option to include or exclude certain URLs or might automatically exclude certain URLs or maybe not refresh the caches of your feed when you publish a new episode so that's something you might need to dig into more depending on the caching solution you're using like for example SpinUp wp which is a fairly new solution on the market recently has page caching built in but it excludes the rss feeds whereas liquid web and flywheel include the rss feeds in their caching and appropriately flush them at the right time so the takeaways here to feed performance number one don't use soundcloud I could end there but specifically I mean don't use SoundCloud for hosting your feed or if you do then use Podcast Mirror. Number two, if you generate your feed with WordPress or any other content management system, if you're generating it yourself on your own server then implement proper caching or use Podcast Mirror. And number three, any poorly performing feed could be improved by switching to Podcast Mirror. So if you can't figure out your caching If you're stuck on a certain provider that's not all that fast, maybe just switch over to using Podcast Mirror. It's a great service. It's free, and it's fast. It's good. Now on to the star of this episode, Podcast Media Performance Results. For hosting my sample MP3 file at the time of this recording, here are all of the providers that I tested. Amazon S3, Anchor, which uses CloudFront, Archive.org, Audioboom who re-encoded the mp3 file to 55.6 megabytes, Blueberry, Bunny BunnyCDN, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Castos, Fireside, iVox, Libsyn, Omni Studio, and thanks to Adam Jaffrey from Wavelength Creative for helping me with that, Pinecast, and thanks to Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting for helping with that, Pippa, Podbean, and three plans on Podbean, Unlimited Audio, Unlimited Plus, and Business Basic, Podcast.co, Podiant, who re encoded the file to 41.2 megabytes? Podigy, who re encoded the file to 35.7 megabytes? Podmeo, which uses Amazon S3, and thanks to Podrick Scudrick from Podscure for helping me with that. Podomatic, who re encoded the file to 41.37 megabytes. Podserve.fm. Red Circle, who re encoded to 55.1 megabytes. Simplecast, SiteGround, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Transistor, thanks again to Podrick Skudrick from Podscure for helping me with that. Wooshka, who encoded the file to 55.1 megabytes, and Zencast. Wow, what a list. And this list grew and grew and grew as I would find someone else to test. And it might even be longer by the time you're hearing this episode. And you can go to the show notes to see that full list and the updated data. Now, you may notice some of these Amazon S3, archive.org, bunnycdn, and Siteground are not podcast hosting companies but some people may still be interested in what kind of performance they might get if they host their mp3s on archive.org or on siteground or on their own cdn like bunny cdn is a cdn i chose for some media hosting not podcast media hosting so i wanted to throw in some of these other options so you could see the differences that having a podcast host makes I could not get test accounts with Art19, Megaphone, or Voxnest, at least at the time of this recording. Maybe I'll be able to update that data in the future. But please note that some of these hosts did re-encode my MP3 file, as I mentioned, without any option to change that or any option that I could find. And this always resulted in a bigger file than I uploaded. One exception is Buzzsprout, who does re-encode media, but they only re encode down, not up. So my 64 kilobit per second mono file was not re-encoded up to 96 kilobits per second mono on Buzzsprout, like other posts re-encoded it up to different rates at different file sizes. But if I did upload a bigger file to Buzzsprout, they would encode it down depending on what options I've chosen in the account. And for disclosure, some of the paid-for hosting options were provided by the respective companies at no cost to me for the sake of my testing and review. Some of these were simply trial accounts, a couple of them I do pay for, and I also invited any hosting company to preview this article before publication, which often opened a beneficial dialogue but did not affect the data. And one particular company is not very happy with me at this moment because uh I have a particular list that I'm going to share a little bit later on. But if you represent a podcast hosting company that I didn't include and you want to see your service tested and listed in the article, then please contact me through the website at theaudacitytopodcast.com and I can test that for you. Here are the combined global averages and medians. This is the global timing for each hosting company. Again, each test was performed 10 consecutive times and those test results were combined to calculate regional and global averages and medians. So when I'm talking about the global average here, it's an average of the averages and the global median is a median of the medians. I know I could do an average of the medians and a median of the averages. I didn't want to start getting all that weird and crazy. I thought this illustrated it enough. And where that average and the median greatly differ from each other Illustrates potential slowness in that host. These charts are at the audacity to fastest podcast hosting. The global combined averages and medians show some definitely slow providers like Podbean Unlimited Audio, Podbean Unlimited Plus, and Podomatic. Pretty much everyone else is fast within seconds of downloading the file. Many maybe half or just under half of these are really fast. Like on my servers, downloading the file in a combined global median of only 200 milliseconds. Yeah, that's one fifth of a second downloading a 27.5 megabyte file. You're probably not going to ever see that kind of download speed when you download podcast episodes or when I do it through Wi-Fi or a home internet connection. But these servers I was running have that really fast connection and really let us see what the fastest possible speed we could get from different providers was. So when you look at this, you might see Podbean and Podomatic and think, "Whoa, they are really slow." So whereas everyone else was usually with a combined global median of 150 milliseconds, some like Archive.org and Amazon S3 and Podigy, SiteGround, Red Circle, Spreaker, ZenCast. Those had global medians of something like two and a half to three and a half seconds. SiteGround had an average of ten seconds, even though their median was three point six seconds. And Podbean Unlimited audio median was seven point five seconds, and the average twenty one seconds. Podomatic had a global median of three point two seconds and a global average of twenty one seconds. So. These really slower speeds may sound horrible, but there is a little bit of a story behind them. First, Podbean's unlimited audio and unlimited video plans are designed with lower performance to be more budget friendly, while their business basic plan performs on par with everyone else. And the Podbean business basic plan is much more expensive, but it performs much better. This slower performance May seem horrible, but remember, this is a 60 minute MP3 file that I'm using for the testing that then downloaded completely in under 10 seconds. Even on some of the slowest of these, their medians were under 10 seconds. So that means it's downloading about six minutes of audio in only one second. Even if the MP3 was encoded at higher bit rates, that's a download speed that's still fast enough that most podcast consumers would not notice a difference. Nonetheless, if you have a large audience or your business depends on your podcast, I think it's worth investing in a faster podcast hosting option. Podomatic didn't appear to have a free trial for their premium plans, and I only tried their free plan, so I wasn't able to test if Podomatic does the same thing as Podbean, where they have a slower, free plan or low-cost plan and faster, more expensive plans. If you host with Podbean's unlimited audio and do not use their RSS feeds for your podcast, I suggest updating your download URLs to the new mcdn.podbean.com URLs, which nearly double the previous performance. And I show that in another chart in the show notes where the old URLs that I had, the global median for unlimited audio was 35.1 seconds. The new URL is 7.5 seconds. And that is a change in their back end with the CDNs. And it's automatic for Podbean RSS users. And it comes at no extra cost. So they did do some significant improvements in the last couple months from when I first started testing this data. Make sure that you're using the right URLs if you are manually copying those URLs somewhere else. You can just get those new URLs from your Podbean account. So even though Podbean and Podomatic downloaded more slowly than everyone else I don't think it's that much of an issue. Back to that point of does it really matter? Well probably not. You could do more damage by putting a huge image in your ID3 tags than by hosting on Podbean or Podomatic. Now into the data overload. Regional medians. This is looking at only the medians And just in case, I was confused when I first heard Rob Walsh talking about mean and median. So just in case you're wondering and are tempted to look up in a dictionary, a median is when you put all the numbers out in order and then pick the middle number or the value that's between the two middle numbers. So what I like about using the median here is it's not affected by if there's some outlandish result, where if you have results like 1-1-1-1-1-1-1-500, then the average is going to be huge Even though most of the test results were one, 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 and one. So that's why I like using the median. The median kind of factors out if there's that one download that took significantly longer than the others. But that's where you can look at the averages to see where that is in there to see what kind of variation in speeds you might get. So, with that said, for the sake of making this chart a bit easier to read over the article for this note, I removed the slowest providers. From one chart. I I split them out into their own charts so you could compare the slower providers against each other. Otherwise, many of these charts and the bars in these charts are almost unreadable with the much slower providers. So when you look at these, the regional podcast media hosting speeds, you'll see that about half of the providers offer extremely fast hosting for North America. But Slow down in other parts of the world, especially Sydney and Singapore. And Blueberry, Captivate, Libsyn, Castos, Podcast.co, Simplecast, Wooshka, and Audio Boom were some that significantly suffered from these international downloads, especially either Sydney or Singapore or both. But of all of these, Buzzsprout, Fireside, Pinecast, Pippa, Podbean's Business Plus, Transistor, and surprisingly SoundCloud were the only options with consistently fast downloads to every test region including Sydney and Singapore. And what I mean by consistently fast is downloading in 200 milliseconds or so pretty much across the board regardless of the region downloading all within a reasonable amount of time. You can look at SiteGround, for example, which I split out because it was one of the slower providers, and they're okay around three and a half seconds or more for most regions, but then you hit Tokyo and it's 10 seconds, you hit Singapore and it's 26 seconds, Sydney at 9.2 seconds. Or Podomatic is okay at most places, a couple seconds for most regions, and then Singapore, 171 seconds to download the file through Singapore. Sydney, 26.9 seconds. Podbean Unlimited Audio and Unlimited Plus were both okay, with that exception about being slower, but they were still okay. In Paris and Amsterdam, they suffered a little bit, instead of being around five seconds, being closer to 25 seconds. But then Podbean also suffered, Podbean Unlimited Audio and Unlimited Video, that is, also suffered in Singapore, jumping up to 133 seconds. And when you look at the chart, you can see the others, too. Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Captivate, any of these others, you can see their results from these different regions. And these charts are interactive on the website. So if you don't want to see Atlanta, for example, you just click on Atlanta in the legend and it filters that out. Or if you are only interested in the results from Toronto, maybe. Click on all of the other items in the legend and that will hide those so you can see only the Toronto results from these different providers. Remember that these are medians and not averages. So a single bad test out of 10 consecutive tests would barely affect the results. I think these are the kind of performance comparisons you could expect to see between these different providers. Now that Blueberry, Libsyn, Captivate and some of these others struggled in one particular place is not necessarily a bad thing unless you know you have an audience in that particular place. This is done through my very high-speed network connections on the servers. So how does this then look through Wi-Fi? Because Wi-Fi is a significant normalizer for download speeds, and it's more likely how most people will download podcast episodes, either Wi-Fi or some kind of mobile data connection, which might be slower than Wi-Fi or might be faster. It depends on where they are, the service they're paying for, their bandwidth, and all of that. So a lot of factors there to consider. But Wi-Fi, or let's just say wireless connection, whatever that is, is more of a normalizer. So I re-ran the same tests from my own computer over Wi-Fi five formerly known as 802.11ac, with a 200 megabits down internet service provider in greater Cincinnati. And here, most of the providers look about the same. Archive.org, Audioboom, iVox, Podigy, Red Circle, SiteGround, Spreaker, and Wooshka are a little bit higher than most of them, with then uh, Podigee's kind of the highest of those that I just mentioned. But Podigy, Podomatic, Podbean Unlimited Audio, and Podbean Unlimited Plus are then much slower than everyone else. But when you look at this, you now see that over Wi Fi, most of these providers are about the same. And the actual numbers, the actual time it took to download this was usually around 1.8 seconds with a little variation. Podigy was 6.9 seconds. Automatic was 13 seconds, Spreaker was 5.1 seconds, Archive.org 3.8 seconds. So these are still in seconds, and then Podbean Unlimited Audio was 19.6 seconds. There is still some significant difference there, like Podbean versus Bresprout, or many of these others. But the Wi-Fi connection, or any kind of wireless connection, at least at 200 megabits per second, makes more of the hosts perform about the same as opposed to my multi-gigabit network speeds on the VOLTER servers. So you could look at this and decide, well, they're all kind of the same. I'm going to go with this particular one. But remember, this is something that could be different for your audience. If you're in the United States and you have a lot of people listening to your Singapore on Fire podcast from Singapore then you better switch to a podcast host that offers really fast downloads to Singapore. And some of them did perform well at that. You can look back at my list at who performed well globally without any significant degradations across any of the separate regions. Now, you may be wondering, well, what about this kind of test? Or what about this factor and such? There were some things I didn't or couldn't test. Like I've mentioned these were on virtual private servers with a multi gigabit network connection. Real world results will vary greatly depending on internet speed, wireless signal strength, and device hardware. And that's another reason why you may not need the fastest host. Typical Wi Fi connections and local bandwidth could normalize a lot of these results. And every test was performed consecutively with no overlap, even between different regions. I would finish the test at Atlanta before i would move on to the test in los angeles and so on thus my data doesn't reflect potential performance differences when there are hundreds or thousands of devices requesting the same episode at the same time i think it's likely that the best performing providers also have the best back-end performance to meet those high demands of simultaneous downloads And this is why a content distribution network, or CDN, is so important, especially for podcast media. If the file lives in only one place on the internet, such as with Amazon S3 or Webhost, then simultaneous downloads are all going through that same pipe, and that can easily overload the bandwidth of that single point and make it so that the website crashes, or people can't get their downloads, or their downloads significantly slow down. Because my little test was basically done in a vacuum where one file was downloaded at a time from one location at a time. But with a CDN, someone in California could be downloading a file from a completely different server compared to someone in London. And the idea of the CDN is that it spreads those files across the internet, across the world, so that when someone downloads from a different location, they're downloading from a server that is closer to them. Because the more a file has to travel through the internet, the longer it takes to get there. That's why a CDN is so important. So even if you got really fast downloads through archive.org or through your own web hosting provider, that's one file in one location that might download fast for you, but it might not download fast for someone a couple states away or on the other side of the world. And it certainly might not download fast enough for a hundred or a thousand people downloading it at the same time. I like to tell people that when you see the term unlimited on web hosting accounts, it says unlimited bandwidth, unlimited storage, all of that stuff. Well, they probably do mean unlimited. It's just like in whatever room you're in right now, you can fit an unlimited number of people, just not all at the same time. And that's why web hosting is not good to use for podcast media hosting because Of the nature of podcast distribution with RSS, it's very possible tens, hundreds, thousands of people could be downloading that file at the same time, and that can cause a serious performance hit on those servers. And I just couldn't test for that in my situation. So I don't know whether some of these faster providers can stand up to very high demands, but that they perform so well globally, I think indicates that yeah, they'll probably be able to perform well with tens, hundreds, or thousands of simultaneous downloads. I also couldn't test the upload performance of each podcast host. I have heard from some podcasters outside North America that uploading to some providers is extremely slow from their region, probably because the media file must first go to a server in the United States before then spreading across the CDN. And as frustrating as that could be for podcasters, it's something that occurs only once per episode because presumably you're only uploading the episode once, and it doesn't affect your audience. Nonetheless, if it becomes too frustrating for your situation, you might want to try a different podcast host to see if you can upload files to them faster. But I can't test for that. Only a podcast hosting company will provide podcast stats, aside from the whole bandwidth consideration getting good stats is a good reason to consider hosting your podcast media only on a podcast media host and not on a web host or a private cdn because something like amazon s3 your web host or a private cdn won't give you podcast stats unless you can layer reputable tracking such as blueberry stats into your download urls or of course you build your own iab certified system to analyze the raw download logs for you because my testing was done with bots that were not declaring a user agent, let alone a podcast app user agent, I wanted to see how some of these hosts would count my test downloads. Now, this isn't a completely thorough test against the validity of their downloads because I do know of some things I could try in order to trick their system. But I wasn't looking to see who I could really manipulate, but I did discover some interesting data here. I think when looking at the stats that my bots downloaded, 10 downloads from 16 locations, I think zero would be the best number to be reported in the podcast stats because then that's saying that it didn't track any of the bot downloads, which would be good. It shouldn't track bots. 16, which would be then one per region, like one in Los Angeles, one in Dallas, one in London, and so on. I think 16 would be acceptable. Not great, but not horrible counting one download instead of 10. Anything more than 16, I think, would be concerning. So back in the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash fastestpodcasthosting, I lay this all out on a chart. Now, I omitted those web hosting companies because they just don't provide stats worth anything for podcast hosting. So I omitted those. And as you can probably expect, here are the providers that did not count any downloads from my bots. Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Castos, Libsyn, Omni Studio, Pinecast, Podbean, Podomatic, Transistor, Wushka, and Zencast. These are the podcast hosts that counted some of the downloads, and I think an acceptable number of downloads—not the best, but perhaps acceptable. Anchor counted sixteen, Podigy counted sixteen, Podserve.fm counted sixteen, Red Circle counted sixteen, Spreaker counted sixteen, and Simplecast, for some reason counted eight. I'm guessing that's because, and when you look at my list of test regions, there are eight continents represented or or major areas like that. If you lump all of the North America servers together with Toronto, Canada as just North America, then you would end up with eight. And I think that's maybe why they did that. Some kind of little intelligent filtering there going on. I'm not positive. So it's it's odd that they counted eight, but eight is better than 16 since we're talking about bot downloads here. Podcast stats were not available from Amazon S3, Archive.org, Siteground, and Bunny CDN because they're not podcast hosting companies. And here are those concerning hosts that I suggest avoiding because their stats counted more than one download per bot, and I don't know why. Audio boom counted 32 downloads. iVox counted 32 downloads. Podient counted 32 downloads, and SoundCloud counted 24 downloads. I don't know why 24. I don't know why 32 with these others. Who knows? But I recommend not relying on their stats from those providers, at least at this moment. This may change in the near distant future, and I'll try to come back and update the article. So go back to the website to get the latest data if you're listening to this much later after June 2019. And Here's the current naughty list of hosts that counted every bot download, resulting in 160 fake downloads. And this is the current list. This will change. I really hope this changes much sooner than later. side, but they said that they're pushing changes in July 2019 that should better filter bot downloads. Pippa, who has an option you can change, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Podcast.co. And Podmeo. I I really hate to throw any company under the bus, so to speak, but the tracking from these four offenders was so vulnerable, at least in their default states and their current states when I did this testing in June 2019, so vulnerable that I could have a single bot running on a single server download the same episode a thousand times in only 15 minutes, and it artificially inflated the stats by exactly. 1,000. In the interest of journalistic integrity and giving these companies a heads up before I published this data, I did reach out to these four hosts, Fireside, Pippa, Podcast.co, and Podmeo to alert them of the vulnerability and let them see my data before I published it. So they will probably work to resolve this vulnerability as soon as possible. Like Fireside was already working on refining their tracking and Dan Benjamin replied, to tell me that. That they're already working on something and will be publishing that soon. And then Pippa, I had a lot of correspondence with them, and they probably don't like me all that much anymore, but they pointed me to an interesting feature that their platform has that's a bit buried. But for now, I'm still keeping Pippa on this naughty list. And I'd be happy to take any company off this naughty list when their system no longer, by default, tracks these fake downloads or even has the option to track the fake downloads. So what's Pippa's caveat then? Pippa offers an analytics windowing option buried in the advanced settings for a podcast and they describe it as follows. Now in this description, I really think when they say play, they really mean download, which I'll explain in a moment. But just whenever you hear play, think download. Their description says, I quote, windowing affects the way that plays of your podcast are counted and presented. For example, with a one hour window, if the same device plays the same episode twice within one hour, then only one play will be counted in the analytics. Windowing does not affect delivery of the podcast to listeners, only presentation of the analytics. Your chosen window will be effective going forward, not backwards. Again, when Pippa says play, they really mean download because they're not tracking if you play an episode on your podcast app. So if you've downloaded the file, you play it, You listen to it again, you listen to it again, you listen to it again. You're playing it multiple times, but you may not be downloading it multiple times. They can't track when, where, how you play it. They can only track how you download it. Thus, PIPA presents three windowing options deactivated, which is the default, one hour, and 24 hours, which is in line with the Internet Advertising Bureau's or IAB's measurement guidelines. I conducted my tests. With the default show settings and thus with windowing deactivated. And this explains why the stats were so easy to manipulate on Pippa, as with the other hosts that I mentioned. When I changed that windowing option and then retested, then Pippa did count only one download per region. It is still counting a bot download, but it's more reasonable than counting every single download. And as I said earlier, I think one download per region was acceptable. Now, if that setting was set to one hour and I had the same bot download one time per hour, then I could still artificially inflate those stats, but much more slowly than downloading a thousand times in 15 minutes or a hundred thousand times in 24 hours. One download per region is still an acceptable number, but I think leaving that option to the user to choose between deactivated windowing, one-hour windowing, and 24-hour windowing, and buried in the advanced settings, leaving it deactivated by default, is still corrupting the data. So for PIPA stats, this would require always asking the question, how is your analytics windowing configured? And that's not a pickup line, in case you're wondering. If you go to Podcast Movement, you slide up next to someone attractive at the bar, and you say, hey, How's your analytics windowing configured? Don't expect to go anywhere with that. Or maybe if you talk to someone from Pippa, maybe it'll work great for, for them or a PIPA hosting customer. But because you can change your option, you could have three separate podcasts with the exact same audience members, but just these separate podcasts configured differently in their analytics and thus get completely different numbers reported back. This is why we need a measurement standard like the IAB measurement guidelines. So if you can change how your measuring is done, then you can't really know if it's the most accurate number or if it's on par with someone else's number. If you're comparing your numbers from Pippa to your numbers from Blueberry or someone else, then you might think, oh, I get a much bigger audience if I use Pippa. No, it's not a bigger audience. It's just PIPA is counting the downloads differently. Same thing with Fireside. Or Podmeo or Podcast.co, these other companies that counted all of the bot downloads, at least when I ran this test in June 2019. Now, this could change for Pippa in the future. And if you use Pippa, I recommend you go into your advanced settings for your podcast and change that option to the windowing to set it to 24 hours. So it's then on par with all of the other companies that are trying to make their stats in line with the IAB measurement guidelines, and especially with those companies who are getting certified to be in compliance with the IAB measurement guidelines. So in conclusion to this data-heavy post, and there's a lot more data on the website at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash fastestpodcasthosting. If you want the truly fastest podcast hosting for your podcast, or you want to ensure your hosting can handle the high demands of simultaneous downloads, then here's the list of providers I recommend you consider. With few exceptions, this is not in any order except for my top recommendation is still Blueberry and Libsyn. I'd say tied for first place. Blueberry is already IAB certified. There's been a third party that came in certified that Blueberry is following the guidelines and even helped them make some adjustments. Libsyn is in that process of getting certified. It's a very expensive And long process. So, I still recommend Blueberry and Libsyn and still believe that their stats are highly reliable. Now, if you have a podcast audience in Singapore or Sydney, you might want to consider something different. But still, Blueberry and Libsyn, I think, still tied for first place in their download speeds and the accuracy of their stats. Maybe not first place in other aspects, but comparing the features of different podcast hosts is beyond what I'm talking about in this episode. You could also consider Captivate. They've made no public claim about IAB guidelines. And in fact, Mark Asquith, who is behind Captivate and Rebel Base media, hasn't even launched Captivate yet. So they did some back end stuff to be able to host the file for me early and let me see the stats for it. You could also consider Transistor. They claim to follow the IAB guidelines. You could consider Simplecast, who claims to follow the IAB guidelines. Buzzsprout, great interface. Good stats but there is no public claim about the ieb guidelines podbean business basic not the podbean unlimited plans but the business basic plan claims to follow the ieb guidelines and they provide the fast downloads as well pinecast claims to follow the ieb guidelines and wooshka is also ieb certified but remember that wooshka re-encoded my file up to almost twice its size actually twice its size exactly go to the show notes at the audacity to slash fastest podcast hosting for the links to some of these different podcast hosts for all of this data. And I've even put the complete table that you can look through all of this data, sort it differently. If you want to see the numbers that were reported, that's all at the audacity to slash fastest podcast hosting. And if you represent a podcast hosting company that wasn't in this list, and you'd like to see some of this data updated to include your hosting company, then please reach out to me through the Audacity Podcast website, and we can set something up and include your data as well. And I will try and keep this data on the website updated as things may change in the future. So who I said is on the naughty list might not be on the naughty list anymore. Or maybe some new hosting company comes up and they get added to the naughty list or get added somewhere in here. Go to the website for the latest updated information and to see all the charts, which I worked really hard on, over at the slash fastest podcast hosting. And maybe some of this doesn't even matter because you're on a great host, your files are being served quickly, you're getting accurate stats, maybe you don't even care about the stats. Remember to podcast with the passion and to serve your audience. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from com.